This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. We are continuing with our classics theme month of September. I feel like that goes with fall and pumpkin spice if you like it. Out of curiosity, have you read other Jane Austen books? I don't know if we've actually talked this about This is it. my first Jane Austen book. I'm a Jane Austen newbie. <laughs> I just popped your bubble. That was really gross. I'm sorry. So yeah, we're talking about Jane Austen. And because this is probably my favorite book of Jane Austen, as much as I love Pride and Prejudice and I love all the others... Persuasion is, I think, my favorite of her books. It's probably one of the smaller ones of her books. Uh, I can't quite remember. It's not that long of a read, but I love everything about it. There are a lot to be said. We know this is very old-fashioned. We're going to talk about the themes as if we were from the early 1800s, late 1700s, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But... Yes, it was something, Jane Austen is one of my favorites. I love her wit. I love her sarcasm. Everything seems so nice and gentle. And then you read back and you're like, oh, she just insulted that person. That's amazing. <laughs> that's the level <laughs> I that can I see like. why you would like that. That's, yeah, I that sounds love about right. <laughs> that is my personality in itself. Um, and it's all to people who deserve it. That's even better. Yeah. Like her characters stand up to people, stand up to society. We're going to talk about all of this. Now, again, yes, we've talked a little bit about Jane Austen before and the works. Um, I still really want to do this Jane Austen tour that we had talked about previously with our guest who came on and that's what she does. And I'm like, oh my God, why am I not there? Like touring (laughs) Bath, I need to see this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I guess as we can't do that, we'll just take a tour with a book, right? We'll just go with our imagination of what this may be. Anyone who has a hookup, you know. Call We're us. here. <laughs> I need to be there, though. That's what that's that's the theme here. Uh, but yeah, so we wanted to do a quick run through of Jane Austen's biographical history. It seems, according to many of the different articles about her life, that she, like others, used her life experiences in her novels. Uh, her stories are often told in wit and sarcasm, and was a statement of the unfair rules and standards placed on women. Um, and though her novels typically end with happy endings, with her heroines getting married to well-situated men for love, and her own life was not so perfectly put together. Uh, Jane Austen never married. She did get engaged once, but ended it because she was not in love with the man. And then uh, there was another man, Minnie, who called him her first love, who was ushered away from her, essentially, like, taken away because they were like, this is not going to work out. She has no money. You need money. So he married for wealth, and they never see each other again. 
if you've ever seen the movie Being Jane Austen, they actually do a little bit of the back and forth. It's actually a really good movie. I liked it. But yeah, so it's really sad overall. Yeah, jeez. Um, and it's not like she wasn't prolific and successful. No, I know. So. Right, but it took a little while. They didn't know her name till after she died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so though Jane's work was published in her lifetime, her work was not as appreciated then as it is now. Uh, She was successful after her brother, uh, taking on the title of her literary agent, sent her novel Sense and Sensibility to be published in 1813, and later she would go on to publish Pride and Prejudice, which was also a success. And yeah, all the while, her names were not attached to the publishing of these stories, uh, but instead it was authored as a lady. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't until after her death that she was recognized for her work. Her brother Henry and sister Cassandra pushed for her last two novels, Northanger Abbey and Persuasion, to be published after her death. I do think this is interesting uh, because... We have talked about this in the writing of romance novels and the writing of horror and science fiction with women in these early days about publishing not with their name, but still getting these followings. And one of my very fun, favorite fun facts about Jane Austen is uh, she had the first, one of the first fan fiction groups called yes. the Austenites. Yes, uh, well, they were apparently was the Janeites as well, I believe was the name for her, uh, some of her fans. Um, and it was. Uh, she actually did uh, have a following during her times of writing. People loved her book. Uh, initially, though, her father, before he died, tried to get one of her uh, books published, and he couldn't do it. Uh, it's not known, supposedly, that she, whether or not she knew that her father tried to do this for her because he loved her book. Uh, there was another publisher who held onto a book, I believe, called Susan. And since then, uh, he would not publish it. He just left it on his desk. She sent him a letter, like, you need to either give it back or publish this or something. And she, like, initialed it as M-A-D because she was very angry. She was mad. <laughs> and, like, yeah. this whole thing went back and forth that he would publish it, but she would have to pay him 10 pounds. They did not have it because they were not well off after the father died. They moved around everywhere, trying to find a place, finally settled into her brother's cottage near her land and was able to do that. And apparently her writing, most like everybody else, went with her moods. So if she wasn't in a good place, she couldn't write. And when she got into a good place, she wrote, and it was beautiful. So it was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're not talking too much more about the characters of the book. Many people do reflect, they do look at her family and their silliness and their hypochondria, like all of these things that we see in each one of her books. So you will see a character that is uh, silly, as she would say, and ridiculous and not so smart. Or you would see one that was always sick and needy and someone needed to take care of her. And a lot of this were apparently based on her mom, from what I gather. But we don't know this. To the point that apparently when the mom read Mansfield Park, she really felt that the mother character was cruelly treated and then that the the heroine was just ridiculously insipid. This is what she said. So a lot of those things. But they did love her writing enough to give her time to do it and realize that she was successful at it and was able to get some money from it. Now, when they weren't successful, they had to pay it back, which was a whole different conversation in itself. So there's a lot of things that went on. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has some unfinished novels that uh, people have tried to complete, including the author, I believe, of Bridgerton. Uh, She tried to complete it, but have yet to be seen as successes. So I've not seen anything that's come off. It's like, this is it. Um, Austin died at the young age of 41 uh, before being recognized again for her accomplishments. And a lot of who she was or what we could have learned is lost to us because uh, letters were burned and her reputation was glossed over by her family. Literally, Henry was trying to make her look like the most unpeachable, amazing woman in the world. Pictures of her apparently were altered so that she would be the perfect beauty. All of these things in order to sell the books or sell her uh, reputation with the books. Um, But of course, uh, we do know that she was actually a really upbeat individual who had a great personality um, and she would advise others to not fall to the outdated standards of marriage by seeking love and wit, um, which apparently she told this to a niece. She did not seem to regret saying no to the dude who had a lot of money. She would have been wealthy and they would have been taken care of, but yet, you know, mm-hmm. which is what we see in her works today, except with happier 
endings. Right. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that you know a little bit about Jane Austen, let's dig into persuasions. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Are I'm you ready? ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so this was written and originally titled The Elliots and it was later edited and renamed as Persuasion. The novel, as we mentioned before, was one of Austen's last and many argue is one of her more sophisticated works. Like she'd finally figured out her style. She had these mature words. Again, opinions of others. Uh, and though many argue that her unfinished works could have been just as iconic, if not more, in a statement and a commentary on society at the time. Apparently, uh, she was writing a book about snake oil dealers, essentially, about people trying to bring people in based on this water healing that was happening at the time. So could have been an amazing book, and I think people really, really wish that it had been finished. Of course, yeah. not her fault, and that's why people are trying to finish it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes me sad. Um, right. All right, but in this book, we are introduced to the Elliots, a family who has come upon some hard times, partially due to the main character's father, Sir Wallace Elliot, who is a vain and stubborn man that clings to titles and status more than anything else. Um, but before we get there, we are quickly informed that Anne, uh, a sweet, pleasing young woman... Uh, who is the main character, I would say, uh, had fallen in love at a young age with a man named Frederick Wentworth, who would soon set sail as a naval man. Lots of talk about the Navy in this one. Um, But this match was opposed by her family, as Frederick had no money or status at the time. And again, that was really important back then, but especially to her father. Um, And Anne was persuaded... Uh, (laughs) by her closest friend and mentor, Lady Russell, and her family to turn down the proposal, which would haunt her for years to come. Yeah. Years later, we see Anne alone and having to take care of her remaining family after the death of our sweet mother. With the debt and financial issues plaguing the family, her father is persuaded to let the house or rent it out, Kellynch Hall, while he and his seemingly favorite child, Elizabeth, decide to move to Bath because, you know, it's cheaper and, of course, it would be, uh, they would be of upstanding citizenship and so higher class in a small town like Bath. <laughs> and though she doesn't want to, Anne also prepares to go to Bath with the family until she's asked to remain near her home with her youngest sister, Mary, a hypochondriac, married to Charles Musgraves uh, and their children for a little while. And we find out later that Charles Musgraves originally asked Anne to marry him. Right. But mm-hmm. That doesn't happen, and he marries Mary instead. Mm-hmm. So here we meet Charles and his family, his father, mother, and two sisters, Henrietta and Louise, who are very fond of Anne and oftentimes wishes Anne had married Charles, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anne becomes the sounding board between all of them of the many complaints and ailments and all of the such. So unfortunately, she has to be the nice one that is uh, the uh, middle ground for people to come to and try to re- be rational. Yeah. <laughs> Soon after, we meet the Crofts, who have leased Kellynch Hall, Admiral Croft, and his wife, Sophia. Uh, Sophia happens to be, uh-oh, the sister of Frederick Wentworth. Oh, no. Which opens up the novel to the upcoming hijinks that we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. All right. So, soon enters Wentworth, who is now Captain Wentworth. Rich and accomplished, <laughs> and apparently still very handsome. Still very handsome. You got to remember that. Yes. And is also obviously still hurt at being rejected by Anne and even comments on how Anne has, quote, been so altered since he last saw her. Oof. Oof. Cruel. <laughs> and now being 27, Anne is seen as sort of a spinster. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the worst. 27. Oh, no. And he seems to be interested in both of the young Musgrove ladies, and they are very interested in him too, even at the expense of Charles Hayter, who was trying to court Henrietta at the time. And as she and the Musgroves and Crofts all go on a lovely trip to Lyme Regis, we see Wentworth seemingly pursue these young women even more. Here we meet Captains Harville and Benwick, who are friends of Captain Wentworth. Uh, Benwick was at this point mourning the death of his fiancée and seemed to be getting close to Anne um, as they had a common love of writing and poetry. But soon, of course, more drama occurs, at which time Louisa falls while jumping from a seawall, causing her to get a concussion and causing her to... She needs to be under 
constant surveillance, which happens to be, yes, the care under the watchful eye of Captain Wentworth and the Harville's family who lived there. So she has this injury, and he's like, well, I've got to look out for her then. i got to right. make sure she he recovers. Feels, <laughs> he feels very guilty, because uh, mm-hmm. obviously... He didn't stop her? I don't know. <laughs> Anne soon returns to be with her father and sister in Bath uh, after that incident. And there she meets with William Elliot, who she had actually had contact with at the at Lyme. So we see this moment. And apparently at that at the beach, she looked really beautiful. Like <laughs> of course. <laughs> I guess it, it affected her. Now she's more beautiful than ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think it's quite funny because uh, we'll talk about this in a bit, but the fact that she, they keep commenting on how some people get more attractive when mm-hmm. they're when as they get older, but it's rare. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. That's the commentary. But rare. <laughs> this is what's happening to mm-hmm. our dear Anne. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so she meets with William Elliot, a cousin and the heir to the fortune of their family, who once was supposed to marry Elizabeth. I think it was intended that way, but was but rejected both her and the family to marry another rich woman, uh, which did not go over well with Sir Elliot, obviously, because that was completely sliding of his favorite daughter. All of those things. Um, and that wife dies, and so now he is a rich widower coming back round. Mm-hmm. 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 But he soon changed their minds with his charm and attention, and even Lady Russell, who was hopeful that he would marry Anne, saw that he was in good standing and was approving of him. Um, but however, Anne was suspicious of him. It was too much. Mm-hmm. But while in Bath, Anne was able to reconnect with her friend, Mrs. Smith, who was a widow and was ill at the time and unfortunately very poor because things had gone wrong with her husband's fortune. There she and Mrs. Smith are able to reconnect and talk about the gossip around Bath. Yes, and uh, soon all the Musgroves and Crofts decide to come to Bath as well. Oh, dear. Um <laughs> Anne has learned that Louisa is now engaged to Captain Benwick and that Henrietta was now engaged to Charles Hayter and all seemed happy and well with them. Um, And then, of course, Anne runs into Captain Wentworth and has an interesting, they have an interesting exchange together. However, at the same time, Mr. Elliot, which, by the way, this was very like Game of Thrones to me where I'm like, I need a chart to keep track of who is who, okay? The There's two names. Mr. Elliots going around. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, That's why I said Sir Elliot. Yes, 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 yes. Not her father, her cousin, uh, was trying to wiggle his way into her affections, causing Wentworth to be both jealous and deterred. And it was soon after that Anne discovered from her friend, Mrs. Smith, how deceptive and uncaring Mr. Elliot really was. So her suspicions were correct. Um, and she resolved to let Lady Russell know of his character. But before she could, she and Wentworth were able to reconnect and soon became engaged. <laughs> Mr. Elliot leaves, taking Mrs. Clay, a woman who was trying to seduce her way into the Elliot family, who was a friend of Elizabeth, by the way. Yes. Um, and Anne and Captain Wentworth get married. Lady Russell admits her mistake and accepts the couple as new friends. Yes, and all of this to say, also, Miss Smith had connections with uh, Mr. Elliot, who was not great. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> not and great. she was trying to get someone to help her get her fortunes because there was a little bit of money out there, and Captain Wentworth helped her, and she was able to live, and everybody was happy. Everybody mm-hmm. was happy. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Although I kind of, that whole Mrs. Clay thing, I was kind of like, damn. All yeah. right. <laughs> who has two not. children, who was the daughter of the lawyer that helped get all these things in place. There's so many characters we left out. Yes. I'm sorry, but you should go and read the book. It's short. If you like these things, go for it. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. I will say I tried to watch the new movie with Dakota mm-hmm. Johnson. Mm-hmm. I could not get through it because I know what they were trying to do, but it was not working for me as a lover of this classic in the way it is formed to have Dakota Johnson portray Anne Elliot as a bumbling, clumsy woman who uh, brags about herself and is just bitter, which is her whole thing. is like to be bitter. At the very beginning, she talks about losing him, being a little angry about what was happening. And then all she does is drink, sit in the corner, lay face on the bed. Like she takes baths by herself. Like this is how it introduces it. And I'm like, throughout the entire book, Jane Austen portrays Anne as someone who understands why and there was no way she could have married him at that point and be where she was today as happy, like, and being glad that it worked out this way, no matter Mm -hmm. what. And then her whole character, again, she's a little too pristine, too smart, but, like, is to be unseen and in the corner and trying not to uh, bring any ripples about being a little heartbroken that he seems to have not forgiven her and is trying to move on with these other women type of things. Mm-hmm. In the movie, at the very beginning of the scene where I talked about how Charles Musgrove says, like, was supposed to, had originally proposed to Anne, mm-hmm. uh, in the book, the sisters reveal to Captain Wentworth that he had originally proposed and they had wished that she had gotten married to him. In the movie, Anne blurts it out at the dinner table in front of everyone to everybody's mm. shock that she, he proposed to me first. And Whoa. everybody was like, what? So that and that, and I was like, absolutely not. I Absolutely not. I can't do this. I can't mm-hmm. do this. So for those of you who may have seen the movie and they actually liked it. There's a grimace on Samantha's face, but she's trying <laughs> to power through. <laughs> I'm just like, let me know what I miss out, maybe to, to rectify and come back to it. Because after <laughs> that scene, I was like, no, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you've said before, you've got your your versions that you like. Uh, you're like, very passionate just, about this. When you alter it so greatly, mm-hmm. it just becomes... Uh, and uh, this entire sh- movie is supposed to be a lot of cringe moments. Of like, oh, oh, oh. Like, mm. she makes fun of him, and he walks in to hear her make fun of her him. Um, yeah. That does not happen. Uh, there's a moment where... Again, she screams like she's supposed to be across the way. She screams his name because he's talking to a girl, the girls, and she's jealous. And then mm-hmm. she hides away underneath it because she yells his name and everybody's like, what? Mm-hmm. Like all of these things is supposed to be like the cringeworthy level. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't even like that. Yeah. When that I is do true. like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe. And, and the take is like, I think it's supposed to be a modern take back then because they rank people about you're a 10 here but da, 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 there that type of thing wow. so I think that's what they were trying to do with it to mm. make this new type of thing but I'm like that works I feel like more so with like Clueless or 10 Things I Hate About You where they flip it to be a, like taking the old tale into a modern take mm-hmm. sure but trying to do a modern take to end the old tale in that timeline doesn't feel like it works yeah I think it's difficult to pull off for sure <laughs> 
for sure. I say that as I still kind of like Night's Tale, and that's a whole different movie, and they do that. Yeah. Well, again, it can be done. It's yeah. just not easily done. <laughs> it's not easily done. It's not mm-hmm. easily done. Okay, now that I've rented about that, let's okay. talk about themes. All right. Let's you ready? Do it. Yeah. So, of course, one of the big themes is women in society and their role in society at that point in time. Because all throughout Austin's books, you will see that as the main plot of all of them is trying to find a good marriage. Yeah. And I think this is one of the things that can be easily forgotten. But at this time, it was a huge deal for women. Like, that was your purpose, especially in this, where they were located and the timing of this was as a woman, you have to have a pretty upstanding uh, polite society uh, reputation and then you will be married off and what is hopefully a financially good decision for the woman and the family and it was, I mean, it was a huge, it was very important. You couldn't own anything. Like, I mean, with what happened to Jane Austen, where she died poor, even though she'd written all this stuff that is so successful now, but she didn't get married. Mm-hmm. And so it was seen as a failure. And I think that that can sometimes get lost. And I did enjoy that the importance of it was still there, but it was like underlaid with all of this layers of gossip and kind of like pettiness and uh a lot of a lot of stuff about about class which is pretty common for these kinds of books as well but uh yeah i mean that's the whole thing is like her sister's trying to get married her other sister did get married she's got to get married because their father went into debt like it's all of the stuff about well i got to do this for the family and for money right. essentially Right. So essentially, and I don't know, because I don't know customarily how correct uh, we are. I'm assuming it is because it was her time frame. But I think with Emma, they had this conversation about being um, a spinster with money. You're able mm. to do that more so than being a spinster not uh, without money. That you, mm-hmm. you will literally die, essentially. Um, and that the idea that if it's taken away, so we see that often, and we saw that in many of the books, Pride and Prejudice, if there's no male heir, it goes to the next male heir, which could be a cousin or someone who will turn you out. There is a mm-hmm. book, I can't remember which one, where they actually do turn out the family, where they're like, uh, the the I think it was like an uncle or a cousin who inherits it, and he had promised to uh, help them, but he doesn't. He chooses not to, and so they go to destitute situation. Yeah. This is that conversation, and I feel like I'm talking about her as if I know her. Uh, <laughs> For Austin, it was so important that she fall for love, that she was willing to sacrifice all of that to be there. And it doesn't sound like anybody held her uh, responsible and or were bitter towards her because of that. Like her only sister, Cassandra, she had five brothers. Uh, Again, she did get help from one of the brothers. uh, And apparently they lost their money in in a scheme, not a scheme, but a thing that they invested in with another brother. There's a whole different like level of things that were happening here. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is, it's like she stuck her guns in her books as well, but she saw the happier ending and was hoping for the happier ending, which is kind of the tragic bit that mm-hmm. that happened, that she didn't get to any of that. And of course, yeah, money was a huge thing, which I don't understand how money worked at that point in time because nobody invest, like nobody seems to do things, but they all have <laughs> money. Like I'm very confused by that in itself. Yeah. Well, I think that's where a lot of the like class comes in of kind of inherited money or marrying into money or both. Um, but it's also important to remember at this time, you know, love might have been a thing in marriages, but often it was an economic agreement. Originally, it was much more of like a financial decision than anything to do with love. Which makes sense even today to me. (laughs) Not to that extent, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're not far off. Maybe that shouldn't be a bad thing. Because emotions change, y'all. Emotions change. Um, But I also found it funny that she, when she wrote the lines for her father about how titles are not earned, accomplishments mm-hmm. are not earned, but you're born with it. And how could these ch- traditions change? I feel like we hear that today in different forms of like essentially privilege of like, oh, well, I got this. You got this from your daddy. Stop right. it. And yeah. how you think that's class. That's not, that's not class. Stop mm-hmm. it. 
Mm-hmm. But that that was pretty funny, and I think she did. Of course, she wrote that on purpose to talk about this absurdity about the ideal of class yeah. and rank, and it was a, a beautiful. Her writing is so good; it's just <laughs> so good. Of mm-hmm. course, when we talk about all of that with marriage and responsibility, we talk about families, whether it's the good, uh, the mm-hmm. bad, and unfortunately, just what it is. The undeniable, they are here, that's what they are. Um, I feel like, again, her painting of her mother, possibly, in the characters of Pride and Prejudice, she does this with the ridiculous mother uh, in the character of her sister, Mary. She does this, of this ridiculous woman who was just obviously privileged and over-the-top spoiled and really just self, self-absorbed uh, character and what that looks like and how she portrays them in the book. Of course, we know they're not all that one-dimensional, but she does that as a comic relief, but also a, probably a stress relief, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's one of those things where I imagine... Most of us can relate to this, even though it was written so long ago that you have the the family member who's always kind of like needing you to help them for whatever reason. You've got the, you feel responsible for like perhaps somebody older in your life and their financial security. And you've got the like one you're always being compared to perhaps. Like there's just a bunch of, family relationships that I think a lot of us can relate to or kind of are like, oh, I have something sort of like that in my life. Maybe it's not even family. It can be friends as well. But like, and the whole idea of her, I feel like when you compare Anne to the rest of her family, it does. And this might be Austin kind of, again, yeah, having that stress relief. It does feel like they all were using her for something. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's her dad, like financially, her younger sister to be like the person she can complain to about everything. Her older sister to compare like, I'm better than you. All those kinds of things and and kind of trying to be the diplomat and then you've got this Mr. Elliot cousin fellow at the end who's <laughs> just kind of using them in what seems a very callous way to just secure the inheritance. Um... So yeah, I mean, there's like those are kind of the negative aspects. There were certainly some positive interactions between all of them uh, right. that were fun to see, but it, it is that that tension in family and how we treat each other and use each other was right. very apparent. <laughs> I do think it's funny that she uh, is kind of one of those like, "It's family. What can you do?" Like mm-hmm. type of situations, <laughs> and she has that amongst a lot of the uh, books that she does. Uh, I also do appreciate, and I thought it was really hilarious, the way they talk about the dead brother of the uh, Musgroves. Mm-hmm. They just literally like, thank God he's dead. Like he really was useless <laughs> outside of just dying. I mean, it's a good thing he died, but we're going to pretend like we really mourn him, miss him. But I was just like, wow, Jane, I'm not sure who <laughs> in your life that happened with. But to be fair, and this is, uh, I've read an interesting bit about the fact that she did have another brother who was institutionalized. Um, and they, after 13 years old, after he was pretty much given away, they never talked about him again. They never reached out to him. And she did that, too. She was a part of that not caring, not noticing. He died at 71. No one went to his funeral. No one cared. Like, it was pretty sad. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that was how she felt, which is awful, which is awful, 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 and mean and care- like careless. It does kind of put a stain on who she is. And I'm like... And I get it in that sense of, like, during that time and age, that's what you did. Mm. Uh, still really callous and cold, but I wondered if that was kind of that mentioning. Uh, again, I could have been reading way too much into this, and I have a feeling Austin fans may come after me for saying <laughs> that. But there was. There's this, like, connection of this one brother who kind of just was shunned because whether, whether it was uh, mental health stuff, whether it was uh, physical stuff, whether it was... Uh, whatever he lived he lived to be 71 i mean that's amazing yeah at that Especially point at in that time. time yeah yeah that i'm like okay makes me wonder because mm-hmm. they, they talked about him having quote unquote fits you know we don't know what that means yeah and then that that's what happened with his brother no one acknowledged him no one sent him money no one talked to him no one reached out to him like it makes me think a lot about like what what was the point of this one character that she mm-hmm. brought in cuz i don't really hear 
much of that callousness of someone dying like they mm. did in this way of like outside of like oh this man was useless this ex-husband was useless he was mean or all these things like that kind of thing but mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting so i don't know if that was something pointed with her own family take mm. it was one of her last books she was getting sick she apparently had a lot of ailments so mm. that could have been just as that so being being seen as inconvenient or whatever or whatnot i found that interesting Again, mm-hmm. they got too dark and too deep into her history for that one. But <laughs> yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, as a part of anything else, wealth, talking yeah. about wealth, constant talk about wealth and money, uh, being a motivator, whether it's who you married or who you didn't marry, is all throughout her book. And of course, her constant back thought is, I can't marry this person or I have to marry this person because of money. Um and, and of course, it was at that point in time. Your livelihood depended on whether or not you could provide for yourself and your family. Right, right. It is like the biggest driver for a lot of decisions that were made. I mean, it starts with... I, I thought this was really interesting how it begins because I, as someone who hadn't read it, it kind of starts with this interesting portrait of Sir Walter Elliot and how who he is and how he got into debt and how he's so proud and doesn't want anyone to know that he's in this trouble and how can they like keep up airs as they say and then you you get introduced to his daughters and I didn't know who the main character was and originally they kind of paint Anne as like this background like she's okay <laughs> and so I didn't know what was going on um but it's like right from the jump is the impetus of we need money. Uh, we want to at least look like we have money. We want to be able to, you know, appear like we're high society or whatever. High society. Um, and that determines, you know, like where they move and their relationships with people and not just like marriage, but like friends, like who you're going to hang out with, who you'll be seen with, all those kinds of things. Um, so it, it was incredibly huge theme and important to everybody. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, I actually really like you talking about them having, they can't be associated and be friends with unless Mm -hmm. they have high money, which was the whole, like, the thought process of Elizabeth trying to invite people that she doesn't want to be seen, but Mm -hmm. they should, they of their standing should be just happy with an afternoon drink game session yeah. instead of a whole meal because they don't want to, first she doesn't want to be seen as poor because they can't do that because they only have one or two servants and they need more mm-hmm. to be seen as high class but at the same time they're not deserving even though they have more money than than <laughs> Elizabeth and Sir Wallace that it's quite funny that dichotomy of her like but we're still higher ranking than them so <laughs> we don't want this to happen like it, it's quite right. funny and then right. she gets jaded and all alone I know Poor her friend. Elizabeth. That's I'm telling you that whole Miss Clay thing sent me for a loop. Did um, it? Well, I knew it was I knew because she was kind of like I knew she was being set up with the father, but I thought she like, wasn't being set up. She was setting herself up with the father, right? She was and trying I, to scheme her way in. I was hoping they'd be real friends. That's all. That's all. <laughs> There's some one or two scandalous women about, and she is the one for this one. It clearly Obviously. stuck with me. <laughs> clearly. It's sad. Her life is sad. Again, because she's like, just try to make it. Mm-hmm. But that's okay, because it, with her being the mistress of Mr. Elliot, he yeah. owned that home, and therefore I she know. has made herself a mistress. I know. It burns so me So she up. did it. She did it. She did. I don't want Good him to you. own it. Oh, well. But he does now. Well, I know. Yeah, I mean, we on the flip side, we do see, is it Mrs. Smith? Like, we we see what happens when you don't have money for women, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was not her fault, and there was money there, and she couldn't get to it unless a man, you know, vouched mm-hmm. for her and helped her. It was a whole thing. Like, she's now settled, but for the time being, she wasn't, as she was destitute and had one or two friends, and no one wanted to help her. Mm-hmm. except for the nurse friend. And then it turned out it's partially this Mr. Elliot's fault that she can't mm-hmm. live. Yeah, Ugh. I feel like a lot of... Evils. A lot of the stuff, not all of it, which we're about to talk about, but a lot of it was like, your dad's in debt, so now this woman has to suffer. Or like, right. this man is, is a jerk, 
and now this woman has to suffer. Like, right. Mm-hmm. It's oftentimes that we see that again and again and again. And, and that's what Jane's like, don't go with a false man because he's not going to leave you happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as the title would suggest, persuasion or being mm-hmm. persuaded, or even manipulated, if you want to go one step further, is a big theme throughout. And as the result of why she's in this situation, or anybody is in this situation in general, because she is trying to please everyone else but herself. Yeah. Which I, you know, I'm several layers removed from this time period, obviously, but I really related <laughs> to that. I've dated people I was kind of like, mm, because I thought like society was telling me to like you should do it, give it a go, and so in this particular case, like we see Anne, you know, pretty happy with this guy Frederick. She was quite young, uh, but she was pretty happy with him. Announced announced this engagement, and like Lady Russell in particular was like, no, no, and no, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk you out of it. And everybody was against it, and so she kind of so she she broke it off. Um, and as you said, like, perhaps that was for the best. Like, they could both mature. He could come back at a better time. But it was something that she was basically kind of bullied almost. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. This is not... Her Her decision and her agency almost was kind of taken away. Like, no, that's bad match. You don't want to do that. And she really respected Lady Russell. So she was like... Oh. Okay. Right. Right. So Lady Russell was the friend of the mother and a very big confidant to the home. She really helped them out so many times. It was really kind of funny. Also, Sir Wallace's description of Lady Russell was like, yeah, but she's not pretty and she's getting old. So no. Like, that's kind of, that's what his 
thing yeah. was. But yeah, I think it's interesting because, yes, this is the beginning. We understand that she has been talked out of being in love, essentially, with this man who has no fortune, who has no name. So therefore, she doesn't do it. Uh, but then we see that later on that people are trying to do the same things again and trying to turn her to a different man who may have been, like, seemingly better. Um, all of these conversations, whether it's trying to persuade one person to be one person, go to this place, like, all of these things are happening. And she's finally coming into her own and doing her own work to figure out what she wants and truly what she wants and why she wants it or why she doesn't trust this person or whatever, whatnot, instead of just believing that they're of a good character and or not. So mm-hmm. I find that funny throughout. Uh, we also see uh, the other works of people trying to manipulate her into uh, other situations, whether it's Mary manipulating her to be like, you need to stay with me and take care of the children. And yes, that works. She does it. Mm -hmm. And then all these other things happen. And then you also see, um, (laughs) I don't know if it's a manipulation quite. Like, we don't know if Captain Wentworth actually pushed Benwick Mm-hmm. to Louisa so he could no longer have to actually marry her. I don't know. He says it's of good fortune and, and it just happened to happen. Mm-hmm. Though, so, you know, okay. Seems suspect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as I said earlier, like a lot of what people's actions were in regards to Anne were all about them. So like even with uh, Charles, Mr. Musgrove, and everyone being like, we wish you had married him. They want that, not necessarily because they like really like Anne, but they like Anne better than Mary. But yeah, all of these kind of machinations and manipulations around relationships. And I think it's what you said earlier, that was a really good point of her learning to trust herself of not just like, oh, this guy is suspicious. She gets to the bottom of why he's suspicious. She trusts, she feels it, but then she gets to the bottom of it. And it's the same with Frederick, where she's like, oh, I still really like this guy. And just kind of like accepting, you know what? That's that's what I want. That's what I'm right. It's that's not about what all everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I appreciate that. And then also Lady Russell being persuaded to understand she was wrong. Yeah. She was wrong. She was very wrong about both of these men. And then realizing having to admit that mm-hmm. and coming to understanding that they're a happy place. But again, and throughout, it's like, I am not bitter about this. I don't think this was out of malice. And I think this worked out to the perfect timing, which mm-hmm. is probably the other theme to this is like timing for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it caused a lot of heartache and a lot of doubt, it finally came around to working itself out. Uh, and of course, she's in a better situation because he is rich, <laughs> continuing to be rich. Apparently, this was during the, was it the French War? Anyway, it was barely around that time. And, and you know, interesting fun fact also is when uh, one of the places that uh, Jane Austen and her family had to move to was a naval town. And there is insinuation that they had a really hard time and may have been harassed by those around her because they were not of, they didn't have money. So therefore, they were treated poorly. Not sure. But she seems to get a good, give a good review to the Navy and those yeah. in the Navy. So I, I don't know. It would not imply that. Maybe it was just a a setup that she needed. Who knows? Uh, because again, this does go to a lot of her own life, life where she uh, seemingly uses the rich character to the guy that she turned down uh, to uh, being in love with the lower character who needed money but came up on money. All of these things that happen to be perfect for these conversations. Apparently, her father was a reverend, so we have conversations about that in some of the uh, books that she writes. So there's a lot to be said. Um and and how she takes her own personal situations and put it into the books, um, but yeah, I really I really love this book. How did you feel? It was a fun read. It was a fun read. Like I said, I, I wish I had like had a chart. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I figured it out. But when Mister Elliot showed up, I was so confused. <laughs> and it's also because of like my modern day mind, where I'm like, never would you marry a family Your member. Yeah. Um, which was not true of the time. Right. Um, but 
God, I was so confused. Uh, but I did enjoy it. It did kind of crack me up. I know I mentioned it earlier, but I was like, you know, you add dragons in here. This is Game of Thrones. This is the same thing. <laughs> a little bit more violence well, and drama. I was say, dragons. A lot more violence and less happy endings. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe, maybe. But you're you know, correct. A family drama. Yeah. I was like, mm. there's a lot of drama. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of not as funny uh, quips. Uh, <laughs> as she likes to insert here uh, in, in Game of Thrones that I've seen. Yes. Maybe that's just me. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love these books. It always makes me feel cozy and like it, it, it feels sentimental in itself. I still argue with people about whether or not it's feminist because people are like, they just get married. They all settle in, all, you know, give in to marriage. And, and I'm like, but yeah, this is the standard. And, and during her time, she was rebellious and her own life she was actually rebellious did not end well but it's okay (laughs) because she accomplished a lot um as we see unfortunately not during that time we wish we could have given all the flowers although she did get money for it she did get paid and she did get some um some fame and acclaim for it as loving the book not necessarily her Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think it's it's such a great take there's so many things to learn from it as you look back on what were the traditions were and understanding where she was as she was fighting society with these books and trying to talk about how these standards are absurd and class and rank was absurd and how for women it means nothing yeah almost yeah yeah and i think with her her witty quips, as you say, uh, like you see that, you see that shining through of this commentary on how absurd and ridiculous a lot of all of this is. <laughs> and she's not quiet about it. And I love no. it. No. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. It was really fun. Maybe we'll do another one in the future. Yes. Mm. Yes. I mean, if we want to do the whole damn Pride and Prejudice BBC series, <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm down. Let yes. go. I, I would love it. I think it'd be great. Oh, my God. It's going to be <laughs> 10 parts, and I'm excited. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's our next whole month of content planned out. <laughs> I, would, I would love it. I think it'd be great. Um, well... Look forward to that, listeners. (laughs) And in the meantime, as always, if you have any suggestions for book clubs, movie picks, or any any topic at all, really, you can email us at stephaniedmomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stephanoneverteldyou. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina. Oh, Christina, I need your opinions about Jane Austen. (laughs) Yes, please. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, podcast wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association member FDIC. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.